Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com If you aren't in over your head, how do you know how tall you are? T.S. Eliot. So he's like, I can only do this many miles a day, so I got to start now. Otherwise, I'm not going to make it when we're trying to finish. So he takes off like a day before us. You know, me and Abe, we take off. And then um, Abe was really bad at math, like trail math. Like, so if there's like 100 miles in four days, you have to do 25 a day. His math is like, Oh, you just do like maybe 20 or what you just do whatever and it'll be fine. Right. But, um, so like I lost him because he was doing like a shorter days and like, we just never showed up at camp. I like waited for him, waited for him. He never showed up. So I just kept going on. And then I had a weird thing happen where like, like I didn't have any hot spots on my prosthetic leg the whole time. And then all of a sudden, like out of the blue, just past like, I think White Cat Mountain. Um, I just started getting this real like terrible like spot that was like rubbing and like to the point where like I couldn't walk because like I would just like start crying because like it hurt so much. I'm Doc and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, help us out. Take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. And before we get to this week's guest, I've got an idea for a new segment or episode format for the pod that will boost listener participation. 
In addition to our current format, we're also going to put out some shorter mini episodes occasionally, and those will be driven by listener stories from the trail. And here's what I need from all of you out there who are listening. Send me an email with a funny story from the trail. It can be about a gear failure, a funny story about a hiking partner or yourself, a time you thought you were going, you weren't going to survive or anything else you want to share. This is your personal, what are you dying to tell us moment? Write it up and send it to me through our social media or to johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com. Remember, there's no G in that, johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com. And if your story is selected, I will read it verbatim on the episode. Pause the episode right now, write up your story and send it our way. I'll wait. Go ahead. All right. Well, let's get to this week's guest. Well, this week we are talking to a serious long hauler and trail runner who's got an incredible story to share. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Ricky Vandegrift. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, Ricky, I, I assume from your time on the trail, because you've been out there, you've done, a, you've done some, some serious hiking out there. I imagine that you have picked up a trail name because we go strictly by trail names here on the John Freaking Muir Pod. I'm Doc. That's not what it says on my driver's license or my, my paychecks. And so I you am sure about that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what your trail name might be. Yeah. So my trail name is Captain Caveman. Captain Caveman. And how did you come by it? What's the story behind that? Um, well, I was out on the on the AT pretty early on. And um, I guess so we were making a fire one night and I was making caveman noises like, oh, fire. And uh, so people started calling me caveman. I'm like, well, that could be worse. So I'll take caveman. And then the next day I was hiking with this guy and his little son. And he kept calling me Captain Caveman after the old cartoon. And I'm like, I like that better. So it stuck now ever since. Now I'm feeling old because I don't remember a Captain Caveman. <laughs> it's Captain a Caveman old, cartoon. It's an old cartoon. Okay. So, yeah, you can look it up. It's out there. A guy like uh, runs around with like a club and you can like fly and stuff with it. And he always saves the day, but usually doing it by something stupid. So it might kind of fit fit my personality anyway <laughs> okay captain caveman love it hey uh captain caveman have you listened to the podcast before i listened to a little bit of some of them but not really i don't think i've heard of it until you reached out to me so okay. i was out on the road so i was i wasn't listening to a whole lot of anything <laughs> sure and i only ask because i want to make sure that you're aware of a, of a segment we have towards the end of the episode it's called the pro tip inside of the week and as we get to that uh, segment, I will turn to you and I'll ask you for your pro tip. This will be a bit of wisdom from the trail that you can share with our listeners to make sure that their next outdoor adventure is even better. Okay. Okay. So don't be surprised when we get there. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll be ready for it. Okay. Hey, we've got a, a new segment we've been doing recently. It's called Current Events. And I've got a great one for today. I was scrolling through the, the news feed today and this one just jumped out at me said, you know what? I've got to share this with Captain Caveman, see what he thinks about this, this particular story. So this headline was incredible. Uh, it's about this British guy who was hiking in Singapore. And I think the date was November 30th. So not that long ago, right? For Thanksgiving. Uh, he was knocked to the ground and bitten 26 times in 10 seconds by about 20 otters. <laughs> otters. You think of otters being loving, you know, furry and cute and just lovable and harmless. He thought he was going to die. He said he, he they were biting him on his ankles, his legs, his backside. 
And uh, he eventually scared him off with his screams. But uh, what do you think about that? That's pretty crazy. I don't know. I don't know much about otters. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to assume that. Um, but yeah, it's Not funny. My one, one of my hiking partners on the trail, her like favorite animal is like an otter and she's like obsessed with them. So don't let her know about that. <laughs> yeah. Deadly animal, evidently. Hey, do you know what a, a group of otters is called? You know, like a pride of lions or a murder. I of should crows? know that I feel like, but I don't. They're called a raft, a raft oh, of otters. I, I remember hearing that now. That's for sure. So if you're out there on the trail, I don't think they're on the AT or the PCT, but some trail out there, if you're out there and you come across a raft of otters, proceed with caution. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Hey, we're going to we're gonna start talking about a little bit uh, about gear. And to get us into the subject, I've got a, a segment called Hiking Pole. And this is not P-O-L-E, it's P-O-L-L. It's Hiking Pole. And I'm going to ask you four questions. We're going to determine what, what, uh, where you stand on some, some critical issues. Okay. You ready for me on this? I guess so. Okay. So caveman boots or trail runners? I'm, I'm hard into the trail runners. So yeah, I think unless you got weak ankles or something or want to carry a heavy pack, then you don't need, you don't need boots. Yeah. And as a new hiker, did you start out with boots and then make the transition or did you go straight to trail runners from the get go? No, I mean, I had, I think I had a pair of like hiking shoes. So like they weren't boots, but they weren't like full on trail runners. So Mm -hmm. I had those for a thousand miles or something. And then it's been trail runners ever since then. So, okay. And do you have a preference for a particular manufacturer? Um, I like Coca's if they would want to give me free shoes one day, I wouldn't mind it. (laughs) Okay. Very good. So if you're listening out there, free shoes, Captain Caveman, he's looking for a sponsor. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to him a little bit later about what his, what his next big trip is. That he could he could wear those shoes. <laughs> All right, hey, uh, tent or tarp? Um, I've always been a tent person. I did use a bivy a little bit, which is very sad. Don't really recommend. Um, but I do want to get into the. I want to get into the tarps just because, like. I don't know. I find a lot of times I end up just cowboy camping or something, or it's just like, I don't know. It just, it's so dependent on where your trip is, like what kind of shelter you want to bring, you know, like if you're in the East, you might as well bring a hammock. I've never hammocked, but like there's trees. So Mm -hmm. it just depends a lot on your trip, but I tend to be in the tent. Right. One person tent or a two person for extra room. Um, it's just, I had a real small, like one person LL bean tent and I used that for a long time. And then I just got um, one of the tarp tent. Um, golly, I forget the name of it. It looks like an A-frame. Okay. But um, it's a one-person tent, but you could squeeze two people in there if, if you're real tight or real small. If you're close to each other, close yeah. friends. Got it. And tell us about your bivy experience, because I have my own bivy experience. And you're right. It is kind of sad. Um, well, it's, like, really great unless it's, like, raining that's and then exactly. it's like really terrible. That's exactly which is kind it. of the point of having the bivy. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, it's like a high class trash bag, basically. It's like, yeah, it keeps you a little drier in some way or another and keeps the bugs off. But it's like, you might as well just wake up and start walking. So, and then sleep when it's nice, in which case you might as well just not bring it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if you can, if you're going to climb into it at 
hiker midnight and then uh, get up and, and start hiking the next morning. That's great. But you're right with rain. If there's rain, if it's coming down hard and it's like four o'clock, you don't want to spend four hours in that thing, you know, listening to the, you know, all cooped up and, and uh, crammed in there and, you know, listening to the rain hit it. Uh, it's really a depressing place to be as, as with a tent, you can, or even a tarp, a tarp, you can sit underneath it and, you know, have yep. a little bit, a little bit of room if you have to in inclement weather, but the rain just made it a, a miserable <laughs> experience in my, in my view. Yeah. Okay. So I think get the, get the, the bug bivy and then the tarp and then you'll be set. Got it. All right. How about sleeping bag or quilt? I've never used a quilt. Um, I might try to buy one here soon, but I've never used one. So I don't have, I guess I'm always a bag then. <laughs> um, and what's your bag rated to? Um, I've got a like 15 degree marmot. And then I've got like a $40 or $40, probably 40 degree too Walmart bag. That I actually hiked most of the AT with that because um, I shipped my sleeping bag home too early. So I went back and bought it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I use for most of my hiking, unless it's actually going to be cold just because it's like I don't care about it. So if I burn it in the fire or something, it's fine. Right, right. All right. Hey, this last category is where we sort the really strange people from the not so strange people. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Stove or cold soak? Oof. I've been all across the spectrum, um, but when I, if I'm doing a through hike or something that I'm trying to do really fast, I end up cold soaking eventually. Um, but like if I'm doing weekend trips or like ridge running or something, then like I'll, I'll pack the stove out and I've gotten as fancy as making pizzas in my stove. So yeah, nice. I run the spectrum from like cooking a pizza in my stove to like I collected snow in my Tulani jar to make um, into water because I thought it would melt and it didn't. So my mashed potatoes were like a slushy, like very, very opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> that is the full, full length of the spectrum there. Tell us about the pizza. I'm interested. I'm intrigued by the, by the pizza. How'd you make the pizza? Yeah. I, so I just got the, um, you can get like instant dough in a bag where you just add water. So I got that, mixed the dough up and then, um, I fried some pepperonis in the bottom of my pan, pressed the dough in there and put all the toppings on it and then just cooked it like real low with the lid on. And like, I had like people like peeking around the shelter, like, where'd you get the pizza from? I'm like, nowhere, just, you don't know about it. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't hear the drone with the delivery? (laughs) No. All right. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, outdoor vitals. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So do we shorten your trail name to captain or to caveman? You know, whatever, whatever feels more comfortable with you. A lot of, People just call me caveman, but I've been kind of like captain lately, or some people call me captain. Some people call me captain caveman. So whatever feels right. I'm going to respect the rank. I'm going to go with captain. So so captain, what is your must bring piece of gear? Um, you know, I wish I had something more exciting, but honestly, just my like windbreaker rain jacket, um, item, which like I used to have like the outdoor research helium two, I think. 
which is basically like a rain jacket that doesn't do anything for the rain. So it's like a windbreaker. Um, just cause it's so like versatile and like it dries out fast and like, you know, I like, I always have it in my bag when I go out pretty much, mm-hmm. but I recently upgraded to the, um, the Patagonia Houdini, um, which is super nice. Cause it's like, it weighs less and is a little bit nicer and maybe a little bit less waterproof, but it doesn't really matter because neither of them are waterproof. <laughs> um, and you're just going to get wet anyway. So, yeah. Okay. Well, if you have a jacket that's going to get wet, I mean, at least it's, if it's light, lightweight enough, it can, it can dry out fast. So. Yeah. Like if it's not raining that hard, like I think I can almost dry it out as fast as it's getting wet. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Hey, uh, what was your, what was your base weight on the AT? I think more, it was around like 15, 17, something like that. I wasn't okay. super um, paying attention to what it was, but. Okay. And that was, a, that was a few years ago. You just recently finished the southbound hike of the CDT. Mm-hmm. And what was your base weight there? Did you make any big changes? Honestly, it was about the same. I think it was, you know, maybe closer to 15. It depended like early, earlier on, I had more gear with me because it was supposed to be cold and it wasn't so. I had like ice gear and stuff that I like didn't really ever use. Um, then I shipped all that stuff home and winter gear home and then it was probably down around 15 or something. So okay, I think it's, it's a little harder to go super light on that trail. Sometimes. Yeah. And do you have a luxury item that you bring with you? Kind of a, a, a guilty pleasure out there on the trail? You know, not exactly. I brought, um, I did carry water guns on the AT for like 1500 miles though. Water guns. So, yeah. Just like I got about a pack of like eight cheap little, little water guns. And I had one of those, I think I still have it somewhere that like hiked the rest of the trail with me. I did like hand them out to people as I went. It was pretty fun. Now is that bear protection or would you sneak up on people and, uh, and Actually, sport them? They were to put the forest fires out. Got it. So they would have been really good on the PCT this year. Everyone should have carried water guns. Yeah. If everybody had water guns, you could have solved the problem. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. We want to hear about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of uh, sports and hobbies you were involved in as a kid and how you got involved in the through hiking cult, because let's face it, it is, it is a cult. Any, any uh, organization out there that convinces you to sleep in the dirt for months on end has got to be a cult. So tell us a little bit about your origin story. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Ohio, like um, a little east of Cincinnati. So that's where my family still is. Um, So I end up there every once in a while to visit them. But we had like a hobby farm with like 25 acres. So grew up just playing in the dirt and whatnot. So I think that kind of like instigated my love for love for the outdoors. Um, I Played some ultimate frisbee in high school, or honestly, like before high school, really. I played a bit of ultimate frisbee and then got um got into rowing. And so I actually did road for like six years, I think, and made it onto the national adaptive team. So I went to Worlds in Amsterdam and France. Um, didn't make the boat for the games in 16, though. So that's pretty impressive. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And then, um, so yeah, and then in the meantime, I think I kind of started getting into through a hiking cult. My um, best friend who lived like across the street 
him and his family would go backpacking on vacations. So I went with them one time. I think I was like 12. And that was like my first backpacking trip ever because my family would go camping, but like they have like a 30 foot camper and like different right. type of camping, you that's know? That's right. Definitely. Um, so that's the first time I ever went backpacking. And then me and him, we started doing our own like little weekend trips here and there. And then eventually hiked the Sheltoe in like 2016, I think. Um, so, yeah. And then from there is like downhill. Like after we did that trail, it's like 300 some miles. We're like, this is pretty fun. And then like a couple months later, after we'd finished, like we met up for a waffle house and I'm like, I think I'm going to hike the AT next year. And he's like, I was thinking the same thing. So it was just downhill from there pretty much. Got it. Now you mentioned a little bit earlier, you made the adaptive team for rowing. How did, mm-hmm. how did, how did you qualify for the adaptive team? Yeah. So I have a prosthetic leg. I was born um, missing my fibula. Uh, so it's just congenital. I've been amputated since I was 18 months old, so I haven't known any different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what qualified me for getting on the, the adaptive team. Okay. And what, what challenges did that present to you, uh, going through school and, and, you know, what, what kind of challenges does that present on the trail? Um, you know, growing up, I don't think it really presented a whole lot of challenge, um, with the rowing, it actually presented a little bit of challenge because you strap your feet into the boat and I didn't have like a flexible ankle on that side. So um, my dad and my prosthetist and people like we worked pretty hard on like trying to build like a different leg that would work for that eventually. So put a lot of time and energy into that. Um, so that was a, a struggle for a while, but we got it, got it sorted out pretty good eventually. Mm-hmm. Um and then hiking has been, it really is not much of a problem hiking. I think day to day, just a little bit more maintenance or really the way I look at it is it's just kind of like different um, set of skills. I use to take care of my left leg than I do my right leg, you know, it's like out there, you still have to take care of your legs. You know, you just do the same thing for both feet. I just have like a different set of rules I follow for my left foot than my right foot. Mm-hmm. Um, the left, the left foot is what was amputated, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Okay. correct. And, and how high up is the amputation? Um, I think I have like a seven and a half inch difference. So it was amputated like around the, around the ankle pretty much. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, I guess the other challenge that presents when I'm hiking is if it just like breaks in half, that's happened before. It's usually not good when you're in the middle of the woods. <laughs> when your foot, your, your artifact, your prosthetic foot uh, breaks in half. Correct. That could Correct. be problematic. Yeah, I, I could see that. Did you carry extra duct tape for that? <laughs> yeah, duct tape, uh, JB Weld, <laughs> whatever, whatever I can find. It, um, it actually broke when I was in the Smokies on my through hike uh, right past Klingman's Dome. Mm-hmm. And it was like snowing, so I couldn't see the blazes that well. And like there wasn't any footprints. So I'm like, am I lost? And then like I hear this crack. I'm like, it's just a stick, right? And then I heard like another crack, and like my foot just fell off the, the bottom of my leg. I'm like, that's not very good. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about what to do. And um this guy comes around the corner, so I'm like, hey, uh broke my leg it's hanging together with some duct tape because i tried to fix it but it didn't really work like 
do you know where the road is? Cause I don't have a guidebook or anything. Can you help me? And the guy like freaked out cause he thought I'd broken my like real leg. So he's like, calm down. It's okay. You're just in shock. Like we'll get a helicopter out here. You're going to be fine. And like went through that cycle a couple of times. I'm like, no, it's fine. And eventually he, like calmed down. He's like, Oh, okay. Like you're not dying, <laughs> but he got me out to the road and got to town and fixed it up. So yeah, def- definitely a different concept of broken leg in that, in that in- instance. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, what do you do to pay the bills these days? What, uh, what are you doing to, to, as a vocation? Uh, so I'm right now I'm working as a Ridge runner in the Smoky mountains. It's for the Appalachian trail conservancy. So did that um, this past season before I hiked the uh, Continental Divide Trail. And then I'm um, going to be back there starting January of this coming year. Okay. And for our listeners out there and myself included, uh, for those who aren't familiar with what a Ridge Runner is, what is a Ridge Runner? Yeah. So we work on the Appalachian Trail. And, you know, the main goal of it is educationally no trace and backcountry ethics, just to help people understand how to take care of the trail and how to, you know, respect the environment and ensure it's going to be there for everybody. So that's like the main goal of what we're doing out there. So just interacting with people, talking to them, um, you know, usually we're out for four or five days. So we're, when we're out, we're out there the whole time camping, hiking on the trail. Um, and we also just, you know, we practice what we preach. So we pick up any trash we see, you know, we do some small trail maintenance, take care of the shelters and then like report bigger things down and um, for trail crews and stuff to come back and take care of. Mm-hmm. And that's a seasonal job. Yep. Um, the, it, it varies how long the season is um, in the Smokies. I think technically I'll be like Ridge running from January to November or February to November. So I'll be there um, most of the year. Okay. And what was the name of the, the friend that you start off uh, through hiking with or backpacking with? You did the um, trace trail. with. Yeah. Abe, Abe Mancino. He's my, he's my best friend. Um, so grew up together, started hiking together. Um, he flip flopped the AT when I did it. So we hiked like half of it together, I guess. Uh-huh. Okay. And he, he kind of had some experience that you didn't and got you uh, kind of roped you in or did, did you guys both kind of decide, Hey, this would be a cool thing to do at the same time. You know, I think we figured a lot of it out together because his family would go backpacking. So like he was familiar with putting stuff in a pack and like going in the woods for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But the idea of like through hiking and like, you know, that type of ethic is way different than a weekend trip. So that was all new to him as well. So we kind of figured out a lot of it together as we were on, when we did the shell toey, there's a a lot of mistakes that were like, Hmm. Or a lot of things we look back on now. We're like, why the heck did we do that? That made no sense, but you learn. You want to share any of those mistakes with our, with our listeners out there who may be considering doing some, some through hiking. Uh, We carried 10 days of food. It was really heavy. <laughs> uh, I think that's like the biggest thing. The, oh, that. And we didn't really pay attention to water the first day. So we did like, we had like 10 or 12 miles without water, like on the ridge in July when it's like 90 degrees. Um, and that turned out not very good. Well, actually it turned out good because we ended up at Dairy Queen eventually. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, just like the, just figuring out the resupply and stuff. Like we didn't even consider doing a resupply 
on that trail and like there's definitely options um for a resupply so kind of screwed ourselves over in some ways there okay that might that might lead to some kind of pro tip later on in the episode so that's <laughs> uh, that's good to point those out hey i'm always curious uh in talking to long trail through hikers when they first became aware of the thing you know such a thing as as a long trail when, do you remember the moment that you that you mm. realized that there was a trail that went from from Georgia to Maine or from Mexico to Canada and said, is this a real thing? Is, does this really exist? This is crazy. You know, I, the first I don't know when that point was, but I know when I was, I think, 14, my sister is going to school in New Hampshire. So we took her out there and we actually camped at Gifford Woods uh, State Park in vermont where the at goes right through and that's like the first time i ever like met a through hiker and like saw the trail and like walked on it so that's like my first conscious like memory or thought of it but i know i knew of it before then so somewhere in between age zero and 14 i guess okay somewhere in there and it was it abe is it abe abe is that your yeah. buddy okay yep. When you and Abe did the the uh, shelter we trace in 2016, yeah, did you do the full trail or just portion of it? Um, so it's easy to get lost out there. So I'm not sure how many miles we actually hiked of the trail, <laughs> but we hiked we hiked the whole thing. We started at the northern terminus and finished at the southern terminus. Um, I think we skipped a few of the roadwalk sections, but more or less we call it a through hike. And what was the total on that? How many miles? Uh, I think it was supposed to be like 319 that year. It ch- it's been changing a lot of the last couple of years because they're like rerouting some things and adding, um, extending it a little bit. So it was about 320 that year. And prior to that 320 miles, had you done much backpacking? Um, just weekend trips. We did, I think the longest trip we did was like, three or four nights and we did like 60 60 some miles so not not anything that that big okay so no no uh building up to it uh per se it was kind of like testing the gear out doing some multi-day hikes kind of feeling like okay i can do this and uh just going for it for 320 miles yeah i think um at the end of the day it's just walking and we've been doing it our whole lives so trained a long time that's right. Yeah, I hear that a lot from, from hikers. And I, you know, I've said it myself to the people that I hike with. I say, hey, all we're doing is walking. All we're doing yeah. is walking. And we, 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 do, we do A, B, and C on, on uh, a day of hiking, you know, break camp, walk, make camp, go to sleep. And then you just do that again and again and again. And you follow that process and you can go crazy distances. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like the real mechanics of like a three-day hike versus a six-day hike aren't any different or a 60-day hike. Like, you know, it just, it plays on your mind differently after a while, you know, and I guess your body too, but like the actual like physical part of it's not any different. So mm-hmm. if, and, you can, and, if you can do a couple of days, you can do as many days as you want. That's right. Any, any near death experiences in that, that uh, initial through hike on in 2016? Uh, any times where you thought, Oh my God, what am I doing out here? This was a huge mistake. Not I don't know if it was exactly that, but we got, we got really lost. We were really good at getting lost on that trail. And also like, it's a little better marked now, but it was, it was not very marked. Well, like 
if there's like an obvious path and a very unobvious path, like you took the very unobvious path and there's parts where you're on like a gravel road for five miles. So you just zone out and it was on one of those sections you're supposed to take actually a decently obvious turn, I think. And we just kept going straight on this gravel road because we were zoning out. I don't know. It was like a couple hours later or something. We're like, we're really lost. Like we're not on our maps. We don't have service. Like we don't know where we are. And um, luckily some guy, uh, we were, we started trying to hitch and like hitchhiking and like backwoods, Kentucky is like, it's hit or miss. But um, like the first car like pulls over and this like frat college guy like hops out and he's like, Oh yeah, I'll take you back to the trail. Like I own a piece of land on the national forest that the trail goes like right through. So we like hopped in his truck. He drove us there and was meeting his buddies for like a bonfire. So we got like a bonfire and like hot dogs and beers. <laughs> when we went from like as lost as I've ever been to like in a chair by a bonfire in like 30 minutes. And we're like, what just happened? <laughs> like how? So the trail always provides. The trail always provides. That's a great story. That's, that's a, a great example of, you know, a, a very low moment of, oh my God, we don't know where we are to uh, having a beer in your hand and a, in one hand and a, and a hot dog in the other and sitting by the fire. That's fantastic. Now uh, you, you've uh, done the shelter. We not, not just once, but you've done it a second time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did it. Um, I went for the self-supported FKT of it last year in the fall. Um, so I gotta, gotta see it all again, but I did it. I did it northbound that time. So I got to see the other side of the trees. Okay. And take us through, I mean, what is, what is self-supported? Um, I, I know so, if FKT, FKT is fastest known time. Tell us about what is the difference between supported and uh, self-supported? Yeah. So supported is pretty much like anything goes besides like blatantly cheating like skipping miles uh, you can have a crew you can have you know whatever you want along the way pretty much um self-supported is where you're not allowed to have like any arranged help from somebody but if you pass like a grocery store you can like run in and grab a snack or if like a random person like hands you a bottle of water like you can accept that and you can like cash food along the way um, unsupported is like the only thing you're allowed to grab along the way is water. Um, you have to bring all your food. You can't accept any help from anybody. So, and how did it go? You're shooting for the FKT. What was the FKT, uh, um, prior, prior to the, your, your, uh, attempt? I think it was, it was like nine days in some hours. And then I ended up doing it in like seven days and 14 hours. So wow. cut a chunk of time off that. Um, Jason wish he was the guy that had it previous to me. We're good friends now. Cause he reached out to me and he actually just went for it again, but um, unsupported and crushed that. He did like seven days and 16 hours. So look him up. He's pretty cool. Okay. What was it? What was that name again? Uh, Jason wish. Jason wish. What's his trail name? I don't know if he has a trail name. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I don't know that. Hey, wish. I mean, that's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool name right there. So, yeah, yeah. So your your uh, your shelter we trace FKT self supported still stands. It still stands. It still stands. Um, yeah, it's still there. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank what, you. What was the key? What was the key to doing it in nine hours? Uh, sorry, nine days and some hours. 
or seven seven days and 14 hours oh i'm sorry um, i'm sorry that's right the, the the original record was nine days you did yeah. it in seven days got it yeah um i didn't sleep i guess is kind of what it came down to um just like relentless forward progress so like the first few days like i tried to like you know like kind of be like pace myself a little bit and then i just kind of let it go to shit at the end basically and um you know, just like power nap and then like for an hour or two and then like get up and like just keep walking. Um, so I think that I think that was kind of the biggest thing is just like focusing on maximizing like the time moving. Because um, you're doing between 40 and 50 miles a day if I'm doing my math right. Yep. Yeah, I think it comes out to, you know, I'm not I don't know if anyone's exactly sure how long the actual trail was really was when when I did that, but, um, anywhere from like 333 to 300 and like 40 or 50 miles people say. So it's like 43, 44 miles a day, uh, depending on which number you pick. And the terrain, is there a lot of elevation, uh, gain? Um, you know, not per se, but I think it's like, it's subtle Hills I get you. So it's pretty mm-hmm. steep in sections, but nothing's really that long. So there's some sections where you have like a lot of like repeating like steep but small climbs and um so it, it adds up and then um i think honestly the worst part is it rained like the last almost the last two days and um through the red river gorge area when i was going through there it's like flash floods basically where like you know i'd be like crossing like water and like you put your trekking poles in and they're like vibrating because it's like rushing and it's like in the middle of the night too so i'm like well if I die, it was fun, I guess. But um, so that was pretty bad. And like, there's spots where the trail is just like water. Like the trail had like an actual current. It was just like maybe a couple inches to like a foot deep on like where it's supposed to be trail, not like a creek. And it just has a current going down. It. And I'm like, this is messed up. <laughs> like, this is not what I want in the middle of the night when I'm like 40 miles in. But that's what you get. So. Yeah. I can't even imagine doing a dicey river crossing in the middle of the night. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think the best crossing was actually I didn't cross it. I went around it cause I thought it was dangerous, but um, the next day there's this, I remembered it. Like when I woke up that morning, I'm like, Oh, I know this spot where like the trail literally just follows the Creek for like a hundred yards and then cuts out. I'm like, that's going to be real bad when I get there. Cause it rained, it stopped raining. It's like all a peak flood. So I get there and all you see is just like rapids. And then there's this tree that's like hanging into the trail with the blaze on it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going down that. <laughs> like I can't just walk in like three feet of rapids. So had to go around that, but um, I made it. Wow. And when you, when you hit the, is it the Northern terminus or Southern terminus? The Northern terminus. When you hit the Northern terminus after seven days and some hours, I mean, what was, what was the feeling there? You had, you obviously knew that you had, you had uh, set the record. Do you have people there waiting at the, the finish line for you? Yeah. My mom, dad, and two of my sisters, they were there. Um, I was just tired. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I like just like sat down against the sign and it was like, just closed my eyes or whatever. I think my dad was like, do you want pizza? Like, what kind of pizza do you want? Like, I'm going to order pizza. And I'm like, yes, I want it. But I honestly can't create the thought of what 
what that means. Like, I know, yes, I want the pizza, but I don't know what else you're trying to get me to say. <laughs> so I was, I was tired. I that think, is sheer um, exhaustion. If you can't think of what kind of pizza you want, that's sheer exhaustion. Yeah. Like I never, I don't think I'd ever really experienced sleep deprivation until I did went for the FKT on the shell toey. Um, like the last, I don't know. I have, I have to do the math again, but it was the last hundred some miles. I think I only slept like four hours. Um, so there's a point where I, I was doing this road walk and was like falling asleep as I was walking. Like I was like walking like a drunk down this road. And um, so I like, all right, I need to stop. I need to take a nap. So I like, laid down. I'm like, all right, I'll take a five minute nap. Um, any hallucinations out there? Cause I know that when you are sleep deprived, the mind just goes crazy places. I've talked to some others out there who have been in a similar state who have had some very uh, interesting hallucinations out there. Yeah. I didn't really get any hallucinations ever. I just got like, where like literally the only way to keep my body upright was like shove M&Ms in my face. And then when you run out of M&Ms, you just like fall over. Mm-hmm. So okay that's that was about it for me but yeah i took that i took like a a power nap and then like started walking down that road again and within like a half mile or so it was like the same thing i was like literally just falling over so i'm like all right we'll try like 10 minutes this time and that cured it but uh yeah it was just like the the overwhelming like sense of just like like your body is just like shutting down like just Mm -hmm. turning off even though like you're still going so Right. Now we're going to talk about some of your other uh, hikes and and, uh, endeavors out there that you've done. And I'm not sure what you have planned in the future, but I've got a suggestion for you. Hmm. We're we're going to get to that suggestion right after this break. So stay tuned and we'll talk about that. Be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Muirpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. 
Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Captain Caveman, the holder of the self-supported FKT on the Shelter We Trace Trail. And uh, when we left, I said that I've got some an idea for a, a future venture uh, for him. And, you know, we've heard about his experience with sleep deprivation. Uh, we've heard about his wayfinding. All that's kind of questionable. He got lost out there on, on the trail early on. Uh, yep. And we've heard about his endurance. He's put in some serious miles. And so I know that our faithful listeners out there know where I'm going with this because it's a favorite topic of mine. But, uh, Captain, have you ever heard of the Barkley Marathons? Yeah. Yep. That might, that might be a good challenge for you. Yeah. I think that that would be interesting. Um, you can't exactly just sign up. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. And, you know, I've had a number of folks on the podcast who have participated in the Barkley marathons and they've all been very vague about the application process. It's a, uh, it's a, it's kind of top secret. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, know. I don't know if that's a that's a high priority to do or not, but um, if I ended up getting in it, I'd definitely definitely be down to run it. I think it'd be, you know, you not a lot of people get that experience, I guess. So yeah, it's a trail race with a cult like following. It's uh, it's a very odd race. The entry procedures are very uh, very cloaked in mystery, let's say, and uh, the, the, when when you get there, it's a very um, different experience. I mean, they're you're not sure when the start time is the, the signal for when the, the start time is, you know, it's going to start within the next hour or so they, they blow on a, a conch shell. And then the start of the race is when uh Laz Lake actually lights a cigarette at the yellow gate and then everybody's <laughs> off once that cigarettes lighted. So yeah, it's, it's uh, the loop itself that you guys, that, that you will run is uh, it's in Tennessee in frozen, what was the name of the national, the Sun National? It's a state state park. Oh, frozen fr- hogshead, frozen, frozen head. Anyway, uh, the, the loop is anywhere from, from uh, 20 miles to some people say closer to 30 miles. And you have to do that loop five times. And the race is so difficult that uh, I think only 15 people have finished it in the 30 years of its existence. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've talked to some world-class athletes who have done just incredible things uh, with trail running and they get to, they get to the Barkley and it just eats them alive. So yeah. Yep. It's a pretty <laughs> tough challenge. Yeah. Laz knows how to put a race together. It pulls the most out of people and maybe it kills them at the same time. But right. Yep. Something special. That's for sure. All right. Hey, do you have any ultra marathon experience? Um, I ran, one fifty miler. Uh, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> um, my my buddy got into running ultras after he finished the AT. 
because it's kind of like through hiker therapy, like you can still get miles in, but like you can still live a normal life. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I think after anything he ends up doing, I end up doing or the other way around. So I ended up getting into, into running and ran a 50 miler actually on the, it's actually on the Sheltoe on a chunk of that trail as well. Um, but yeah, so I did that in uh might have some some ideas for some things that would qualify as ultra marathons but they'd be a more of an fkt than an actual race i don't know i'm not as um i don't know i like i like the races and aspects of them but also i kind of like doing my own thing in a way too whereas it's like i don't know the the community at races is awesome but also in some ways i'm like it's is it really testing like your skill or your grit? If you're like, you know, have bells and whistles and aid stations and like pacers and people like cheering you along the whole way, you know, it's super fun, but like, it's just a different experience when you're out there alone. So it's kind of like kind of like glamping, right? You got aid stations. I mean, that what's going on there? You don't run into yeah. aid stations out there on the trail. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. You know, I think the, the bigger thing is it's just like finding what speaks to you and what calls to you, you know? Mm-hmm. So like the Sheltoe, like it called to me to go do that just cause like, that was like where I started my through hike hiking experience on. And like, you know, it's close to home. So I've done like a lot of weekend trips on it or around it. So it's just like, I don't know, that was the right place and the right time to go there. So. Mm-hmm. And what was the time of your, your 50 miler? Oh, um, was it 50 miles or 50 kilometers? 50 miles. 50 miles. Okay. Yeah. I think it was like 11 hours and 20 some minutes. I want to say so. Wow. That's like two marathons. That's incredible. <laughs> but I've got a uh, newer, fancier leg since then. That's much faster. Thanks to my friends down at amputee blade runners in Nashville. So kind of itching to do another do an all, another ultra marathon and see what my time would be this now with the, the new and improved leg. So you upgraded your leg. You got the speed model. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's all carbon fiber. It's like four pounds lighter than my other leg. Um, and like less things break on it. Like it never broke on the CDT, but mm-hmm. it broke my other leg broke like a dozen times or not a dozen times, but like half a dozen times on the AT. So it's definitely definitely a lot more high speed low drag nice you gotta you gotta get the model that has the autopilot on it you just push the button mm, yeah mm. i was actually thinking about like a either like a rocket attachment or if i could get like a unicycle attachment so i could just like coast down the hills on like a bike wheel i think that'd be pretty sweet nice that's kind of james bondish that's nice <laughs> i like it i like it now you t- you said that the shelter we trace trail talked to you it, it spoke to you called to you uh, mm-hmm. When did when did the AT call it to you? Because it's um, a big difference going from three hundred and and nineteen miles to uh, what twenty two hundred and fifty miles. Yeah, I mean it was after me and my friend hiked through hike the Shelly. I think that was kind of like what sparked it. And a couple months later, it's just like I don't know, more like an epiphany moment, where it's just like it's time to go hike the AT. Like it's just I want to. I need to, I have the time and the money to do it. So why not? You know? Yeah. And what was your family's reaction? Were they supportive? They think you were crazy. 
they were they were fine with it um yeah they were, i think they were pretty nonchalant honestly um yeah no no pushback or anything crazy you know so they've all they've always been super supportive of like whatever whatever i want to do for the most part so mm-hmm. and are you true hiker trash how do you define true hiker trash? Well, I be Tad. He defines it as uh, having slept in a public restroom at least one night in your life. Hmm. Well, is it public if you can lock the door? Good point. Fair point. <laughs> I slept in a privy in Maine. So okay, is you, and my friend slept in there with me too. Okay. So according to I be Tad, you are hiker trash. Yep. <laughs> Congratulations. Nice. And, you know, fresh off the, the shelter we trace trail in 2016, you did the 18, 2017, uh, you learn from some mistakes on on the trail, so that mean from the the Sheltui, so that means that the AT was just smooth sailing, no problems whatsoever. Um, yeah, for the most part, <laughs> maybe I don't know. I mean, aside from you know, I had my leg break a couple of times and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So like getting that, like figuring that out, was always a little more annoying than anything. You know, it's just like kind of hard to hike when your legs in two pieces you know um that goes for anybody some, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just some frustrating moments more than anything from that um kelly did abe go with you on the 18 uh so he met me in um pine grove furnace at the halfway point mm-hmm. and then went north and then finished his flip-flop after we summited katahdin um, okay so who did you hike the southern half with uh, I started, I just started by myself and, you know, like the lawn trails go, you make friends along the way and then you lose your friends and you find different friends and then meet back up with your other friends that you miss. Um, I did have one good friend. Um, I hiked with, I had like a little bit of trail family for the first couple hundred miles. And then we all got separated somewhere in Virginia because Virginia is sad as it does to people. Um, and then, interesting. Oh yeah, like my my leg broke. One guy had to go fast to catch up with someone else, and then someone else wanted to go slow. So we all we all went our separate ways. But then I caught back up with one of the guys, Bumblebee, in like Connecticut, and we hiked the rest of the trail together from there out. So okay, we're, now, we're still you, pretty solid friends. He flies me out to Colorado once in a while to visit him. So okay, and where where are you located right now? I think we covered that in the, in the beginning. Um, so currently right now I'm in Ohio cause that's where yeah. my family is. So came back there from, I actually just got back like Saturday or some couple of days ago um, from, I was road tripping after I finished the CDT for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then um, just got back. So I'm in Ohio for the holidays and then I'll be in the Smokies uh, the rest of the year. Okay. So you're located in the Smokies. What, what, what state? Uh, Tennessee, I guess. Tennessee. Outside of Gatlinburg a little bit. Tennessee, you guess. That's interesting. I <laughs> <laughs> well, like the Smokies is like half and half, you know, North Carolina, Tennessee. So, you know, like half the time I may be in North Carolina. So got it. Yeah, we are recording this episode uh, maybe a week before Christmas. So you're home for the holidays in Ohio, and then you'll be heading back to to the Smokies. Yep. Got it. And uh, what was your favorite state on the AT? Do you have a, a favorite section? Vermont. Really? Vermont. Yeah, Vermont's, Vermont's the best. You know, every time I've ever been to Vermont, like 
the hiking is nice. We call it like a good climb per view ratio. Like the climbs aren't that hard, but the views are worth it, you know? And then um, all the people are great. I feel like every trailhead I went to, there's like some local that just finished a day hike and they're like, well, I've got six beers and I can't drink them all. So you should probably help me. And then like you leave the, tr you know, after like you sit there for 30 minutes, you're like, I got to start hiking or like, I'm not going to be able to hike. Um, and like, they've got, yeah, Vermont has good beer, good people, good cheese. Like everything from Vermont is good. Well, so, Vermont, the nickname for Vermont though is Vermud. It's got a lot of mud too, doesn't it? Yeah. The mud's even good. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it was, it was muddy, but like, yeah, you know, the mountains have hills too. I don't know. It's not that bad. Not that bad. I talked to Ginger Balls and Scrapbook who did the did the long trail together just recently. And they, yeah. they were not too complimentary of, of the, the mud in Vermont. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, the greatest lesson I learned was it's only real if you believe in it. <laughs> True. It's all state of mind, right? It's yep. all, it's all how you approach it. There's a, a guy. Oh man. I forget where I was. And anyway, I met him on the AT and I hiked with him for a little bit. And there's one day like we're at a shelter and everyone gets up and we're about to start hiking and it starts raining. So everyone like sits back down and he just like gets up, takes his shirt off, stuffs it in his pack. And he's like, I don't believe in rain and takes off and like never saw him again. So like, now just every once in a while I'm like, yep, I just don't believe in it. It's not real. So he either got swept away in a flash flood or it just worked for him. He just, just ignored the rain and went. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you did the, you did the, the full trail from Springer mountain to Katahdin, mm -hmm. uh, southbound, northbound, you know, you went, you started in the South, went to the North. Uh, yep. as, as you approach Katahdin, tell take us through that last day. What are, what are the feelings? I mean, you've been out there for how long, how long did it take you? Uh, it's like 119 days. Um, you know, I think. So what, you've been out there so, for four months, just shy of four months. You've been, yeah, you've just been shy doing, of four months. been doing the, the same um, thing day after day, the routine. And, uh, when you start, it seems so far away and here you are in the last, uh, the last couple of days, getting closer and closer to Katahdin. Yeah. What's going through your head? So the last couple of days was a shit show basically. Cause I had my friend Bumblebee I'd met on the trail and my best friend, Abe, and we were all in Monson together. And, um, I had to wait an extra day or something. Cause my foot broke like right before I got to town. So they, like made one overnighted it out and everything. So I was sitting there waiting at Shaw's and my friend Abe waited with me. B had to take off. Cause he was like, all right, I can only do like 24 miles a day. Cause I have these like new shoes and they're terrible. I hate them never buy oboes. Um, so he's like, I can only do this many miles a day. So I got to start now. Otherwise I'm not going to make it when we're trying to finish. So he takes off like a day before us, <coughs> you know, me and Abe, we take off. And then, um, Abe was really bad at math, like trail math. Like, so if there's like a hundred miles in four days, you have to do 25 a day. His math is like, Oh, you just do like, maybe 20 or what you just do whatever and it'll be fine. Right. But, um, so like I lost him because he was doing like a shorter days and like, we just never showed up at camp. I like waited for him, waited for him. He'd never show up. So I just kept going on. And then I had a weird thing happen where like, like I didn't have any hot spots on my prosthetic leg the whole time. And then all of a sudden, like out of the blue, 
just past like I think White Cat Mountain. Um, I just started getting this real like terrible like spot that was like rubbing and like to the point where like I couldn't walk because like I would just like start crying because like it hurt so much. Um, so like I hobbled to like a road where Shaw's does like a resupply drop and then had them like bump me up a few miles. So I was like, all right, from this point, I could just like crawl and make it up Katahdin if I have to. Um, I ended up figuring out though, like to like carve a piece out of, I had like a foam liner in my, I carved a piece out of that to like relieve some pressure. And I was like able to walk after I figured that all out. Um, but in that meantime, like I leapfrogged my one friend. And so then like, anyway, at the end, we all like meet up at like the birches. Like we all like see each other there. Finally, like my friend Abe rolls in real late. Cause he's like, yeah, I did the math and realized like, oh, I have to do like 30 mile days to like catch back up. And I, my friend that I leapfrogged, like he caught back up. So like we all got to be together and like summit. And it was pretty nice because um, we were all super sad for about four days there. Nice. Great way to finish. Yeah. Kind of uh, some some low points and then uh, being able to summit together must been must been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one way it was like. Um, just cause you, you see Katahdin several times through the hundred and like every time you saw it, it just like felt so close, but so far still just cause like, especially cause at that time, like my leg was really bothering me and like hurt a lot. And like, it was just like, that was just a lot of emotional roller coaster of like, you just want to like yell at the mountain, but what good does it do? And like, but you also love it at the same time. So Okay. Hey, let's fast forward a little bit. I know we've already talked about some things that you've done in between the AT and your, your CDT hike just, uh, mm -hmm. just recently, um, like the FKT and your ultra marathon, but, uh, how long, how long after the AT did the CDT start to circulate in your mind and say, you know what, this is something I want to, I want to try. Um, you know, I think after the AT, I, didn't want to look at mountains for like the first month or two. I was like, mountains are terrible. I don't want to, don't want to deal with them. And then, I don't know, a couple months after the AT, I think actually I was thinking like, mm, I could probably go do the PCT in like a year or two. Um, and then probably about like a year or so ago, I started thinking about the CDT pretty hard because I was, yeah, I think pretty much like, yeah, like a year or so ago. Yeah, I finished like the Sheltoe again when I did the FKT and stuff and was like planning to ridge run the next season and then got that job. And the timing works out perfect because the, the short season ridge runner ends in June, which is like a perfect time to start the CDT southbound. Um, so everything just kind of like lined up um, for that. But I think I want to do the CDT more than like, the other trails just because kind of the ethic to it. it's like the true like hike your own hike trail and like choose your own adventure um you know i think people say things like hike your hike your own hike on like the at and the pct but like they don't really mean it you know if you take a step off the at people bat their eyes at you and like they they you know they talk bad about you <laughs> um but like the cdt it's like which way did you go? Oh, that was really cool. I wish I'd gone that way. Like that sounds way more fun than the way I went, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just that ethic of it. I really, really appreciated and was looking for. So 
So tell us how you adapted the CDT to hike your own hike. Which which uh, which routes did you take? Oh, um, let's see, the big ones. There's a lot of like little ones along right. the way that are just like a mile or two where you're like, hmm, why does the trail go like way that way to come way back this way when there's like a nice trail that goes straight and the one that goes out of the way is not maintained. So you just go straight, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. But um, the big ones, I took the big sky alternate because um, there was some fires out on the Idaho border. <clears throat> and there's um, it was a it was a pretty long road walk around it. And I just I didn't want to deal with that or think about it. So I went went the big sky alternate and then did um, I guess in the San Juans, we kind of made up our own alternate we called it um the leaf peepers uh poop facts alternate oh wow um, yeah, that, yeah that's uh that's interesting because <laughs> <laughs> um we were in the san juans and like there was like a storm that was going to come in and you know it wasn't really like that terrible i don't think but um we just we didn't want to like deal with it or risk it and it was like a little short on food anyway so um we took this route where we went down low and like followed gravel roads for a while and then like hopped on a trail and crossed the CDT into town and whatnot. But, um, but it was super nice. Cause we were like down there and it was like prime season for the Aspens there. Like they were peaking. So it was like beautiful the whole way. And like, we'd look up and see like snowing on top of a peak and like, Hmm, I'm glad I'm down here where it's like sunny and there's like nice leaves and colors and, that doesn't look too fun up there right now. So made, did that choose your own adventure alternate there. And then, um, did the, did the Gila alternate down South as well in New Mexico. Um, yeah, people rave about that section. Yeah. I mean, if you like to cross the water a hundred times a day, it's awesome. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, and everything has thorns and the trail is non-existent. But it's hard to lose because there's a canyon wall, a river, and a canyon wall. So as long as you're somewhere in between there, like you're good. You're going um, the right way. Yes. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, it was super beautiful. Like I loved it, but you did cross the river a ridiculous number of times. And some sections, like the trail is just like not really existent and everything has thorns on it. So like there's, I was hiking with two other people and like I was in front and then like, they passed me and then like, I never passed them, but then I was in front of them again, just cause like we're crossing the river, at, like different spots and like taking different routes through there. So it's just, it is that crazy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now the, the CDT can be up to 3,100 miles from uh, Canada to Mexico or Mexico to Canada, depending which way you're going. What, yeah. what, what do you think your mileage was on the trip? You know, I tried to add it up cause I wrote it down at the end of the every day but I kind of guesstimated a lot of what I wrote it down and I think like averaged it less than I did hike. So I think somewhere between like 25 and 2,600 miles is probably accurate ish, but I don't mm-hmm. know. And when did you, when did you finish? What was the date? Um, November 4th, November 4th. How many days did yeah. it take you? Sorry, what? How many days did it take? Uh, 133. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you did the, the AT in 119 and the CDT in 133. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. two weeks longer. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I think I took like three weeks of zeros on the CDT or something. No, no, not three weeks. I took like 
17 or 18 zeros and i think i took like maybe maybe seven i only took a zero on the at when like my leg broke in half <laughs> right okay now on the at i know there's probably uh uh, I know there's black bears out there occasionally deer, of course. Um, did you run into any big animals on the CDT? There, there's some, you know, in Wyoming and Montana, you could run into some, some moose grizzly. Yeah. You know, I saw a lot of cows <laughs> in New Mexico <laughs> on the whole trail, the whole yeah. trail. No. And um, no, in Montana, Wyoming, there wasn't a lot of cows in Colorado, but a lot in New Mexico again. Um, um, but no, that's more just funny, but there's a lot of cows out there. Um, you know, I didn't have any crazy animal experiences on the CDT, I'd say. I mean, I saw a couple grizzlies, I think. Actually, I never got, a, I got one good look at a grizzly, but like it saw me from a way off and I yelled at it and it ran off. And then I saw a butt that I'm pretty sure was a grizzly, but it was just a butt. So I couldn't really tell. And then I saw like a cub running through the woods, like in the middle of a lightning storm. So I was like, I think it was a grizzly cub, but also like, who really knows? It was a lightning storm and it was a cub. So it's kind of hard to tell, but, um, saw some, saw some big cat tracks in New Mexico, but no big cats. Oh, actually my friend, uh, Dine Dash, he saw, he saw a mountain lion. Like literally I was like maybe a couple hundred yards behind him and I never saw it, but he did. So, now hang on a second. They're out there. You had a, you had a, a friend, a trail buddy there by the name of Dining Dash. Yeah. And you know the story behind the name? Um, is, you it, know, is I, it self? Is it pretty pretty self explanatory there? No, it's not. He didn't. He did not steal food. I think <laughs> someone thought that he was trying to steal food or something. Maybe okay. I. You know, I don't know that I remember the story or got it verbatim from him. So. <laughs> All right. Hey, you have a favorite moment from the CDT? Is there a particular area or moment uh, that was just spectacular? Oh, man. Um, Probably a lot of it was spectacular, but yeah, anything stand out? Um, you know, the the Bob Marshall Wilderness was super cool. I would love to go back there and go exploring um, just because it's it's huge and a lot of a lot of cool area out there to just get lost in. Um so I want to go back there. Um, you know, honestly, what I really want to go back to is like this, the parts of the trail I didn't hike, like the alternates I took where I didn't hike it because like that trail is cool too. Um, I don't think what else. Mm. You know, mm. I don't know. Colorado was nice. The, the section on the Colorado trail was nice, but it's almost like too nice. Like the trail's actually marked and like, it's not that hard to hike on and there's like town every other day. So it was fun, but like, I don't know if I would say it was like the most, the greatest. I don't know. <laughs> Captain, it sounds like you like to rough it. That, that sounds like that trail was so maintained. It was almost like glamping again. You kind of, you yeah, know, the Colorado not trail the real is, thing. basically glamping at least the section of it. I was on, like I got through, I got through like the presidentials and didn't realize that I went through them until I like saw the sign that was like, you know, oh, the Western presidential route. I'm like, oh, I guess I just did that. <laughs> so I don't think it was that hard. 
Okay. So you've got the AT under your belt. You got the CDT under your belt. Any aspirations to become a triple crowner, knock out the PCT? Yeah, you know, I think I'd like to do that because then it could be called King Caveman instead of Captain Caveman. I could get a promotion. Promotion. Um, But yeah, yeah. Aside from that, I think it would just be a good thing to do. (laughs) Um, You know, I think when the right when the right time uh, comes, you know, I don't I don't like to like plan a through hike out too much because it's like I feel like there's the right time and place for you to go and you. If you like listen, you'll you'll know when that is. So like the the CDT was calling to me. Um, so that's why I did it this year. And you know, when that happens for the PCT and it's the right time, like I'll go and do it. But I don't know if that's you know in a year or if that's in 30 years or whatnot. So okay. Open ended. Open ended. Yeah. What what's next for for Captain Caveman? Any what? any adventures on the horizon? Um that have yeah, called so you that- already. Hmm? that have called to you already oh yeah i've got um the well just the season of ridge running coming up excited to be excited to be working back there in the smokies and then um got um sorry excuse me i got some longer ish distance runs i would like to do as fkts um so they'll probably be around the smokies but won't give too much detail in case someone wants to go steal them okay keeping it close to the vest yeah all right hey captain you know where we are um we're on the internet we are on the internet that's correct (laughs) but uh, we are at that time of the episode where i ask you for your pro tip insight of the week what uh what, what nugget of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better Ooh. You know, I think um, <laughs> I think the thing I learned on on the CDT, my friend uh, Delta was telling me about, um, is don't try like don't worry about being a good backpacker. Like I was sitting there thinking about like resupplying or something. He's like, just stop trying to be a good backpacker, and it's really easy. <laughs> you know, like don't overthink um, you know any of this stuff too much. Like just go do it like yeah plan ahead and prepare and like don't be stupid but like you know you don't have to be perfect or you don't have to be super ultra light or anything so that and then um the other one he also imparted on me was disaster style um which i really i think i am a big proponent of um and i think it's actually adapted or some alpinist guy he kind of coined the term disaster style um, which is basically like you might travel lighter and like maybe not bring things you're like really supposed to bring, but also like with enough grit and like brain power, like you can just kind of will your way through things. And like, it's kind of like the flight versus fight method. Like if you're lighter, you can travel faster. So you can just like get off the ridge and avoid the storm or like if you're like low on food like you can just do a bigger day and get into town um versus if you like bring everything you can just like hunker down and like wait it out or something like that so disaster style i like that disaster style very good so there you have it that's it this episode is just about in the books hope our listeners enjoyed our time with captain 
Captain Caveman. I'll give him the full title right there. <laughs> want to thank him for joining this week. Joining us this week, uh, Captain. How can our listeners keep up with you on social media, and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook. I think my Instagram's Richard Dot and then my um, I think my Facebook is just Ricky Vandergrift. So. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send them to me at johnfreakingmere at gmail.com. No TikTok yet, Captain? No, I'm not. I'm not going there. I don't I don't use social media all that often. So. <laughs> smart man. Smart man. Captain, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, uh, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the outdoor experience we're calling this our adventure media recommendation what do you have for us you know i mean hmm, i hope it's not like stepping on your toes but the fkt podcast um that i think that's tremendous that is probably like the majority of the stuff i've learned about like trails and going long and far is from there um i think i've mm, i think i listened to almost every episode up for up to a while like when i was training for my fkt like i would listen to every episode i could find just because like they get some of the best people out there on there and they're just good people and buzz is buzz is an awesome guy that runs that so okay not stepping on my not stepping on my toes at all i'm always looking for good podcasts out there and that sounds intriguing i'm gonna add it to my list yeah yeah i recommend that or if you want to watch something Mm -hmm. look up mountain biking fail videos Ooh. That sounds and painful. watch those because the lesson they teach you is you have to full send. If you try to like half send something, you will crash. But if you full send it, you'll make it. So all or nothing. Don't don't yep. don't half ass it. Yeah. Very good. All right. And before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called What Have I Not Asked You that you're dying to tell us about? Um, yeah, not. I don't know if I can think of anything off the top of my head. <laughs> Were you hoping to tell a certain story that we didn't get to? Or did we cover it all? I can't think of anything right now. So. Okay. All right. Well, if you think of something, let me know. Will do. Okay. Will do. That's a wrap from the John Freaking Mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Captain? Um. Yeah, I'd just say my, uh, my girlfriend, Amelia, for putting up with me through these latest adventures and uh, my friends Bumblebee and Abe and then uh, the folks down at Amputee Blade Runners in Nashville. I think they, uh, they did a big part in making my leg for me and kind of changing my life through that. So. Okay. Well done. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've broken your leg and you're carrying a piece in your hand. The trail is the trail. Embrace the sock. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. 
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.